Hi, this is Regeline Sabah, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Munira Zahabi. Munira Zahabi is the niche navigator, author, speaker, influencer, and entrepreneur from Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Munira. Thank you. Thank you, Gigi. Should I call you Gigi? <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's what I prefer. I appreciate you for hopping on the show today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? I'm originally from, born and raised in Kenya. And then I was, li I lived in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. I came to California, lived in Dallas, Texas, and now I'm in Chicagoland. I love it. Now tell us more about how you found your niche. I have worked in the pharma industry ever since I came. But before that, I used to be a teacher's aide and I worked in a Mervyn's, which is a California owned, now closed, um, clothing store like a Jesse Penny. And I realized that people in this country were not using the resources they had. So I would help people figure out what they want to do and how they could go to the resources because I had the wealth of information. And then I worked myself into the pharma world and I started learning about the pharma world. And uh, there I started building up teams and employees and everybody else. But what I realized was, was that people were doing this because it was a means to an end any job that they had. They weren't doing it because they were in love with it right there. It wasn't coming from there. That's why most people are very frustrated, tired, and not motivated. So then the journey of self-education, first the education part, and then the self-education came along because I started to learn a lot of things. And I realized that I wanted to help people. That's always what I've done. Why not help people in a positive way? And then I joined the John Maxwell group. <laughs> and I realized that all of these people who graduated didn't, they had the tools, but they weren't sure of how to use them. You know, it's like leftovers in your fridge. So everybody who was joining, wasn't a young person. Everybody was either after their 35 or older, and they were joining this because they wanted to figure out a purpose in life. So I started talking to a few people here and there, and I started helping them find their niche. Hence, I became the niche navigator. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful story? <laughs> yes, ma'am, I love it. Now, tell us more about the lessons you learned along the way towards starting your career. You know, the thing is, life is, you know, anything that you do in life is, it's a learning experience, everything. So open your mind to possibilities because the divine intervention always downloads stuff into you, right? And it intervenes. It's called the divine. It's not called the divine intervention for nothing. It is. And, you know, you sort of download or my father used to say, got a fax. 
at that time in the facts world, right? But he used to get these ideas and they worked. But these ideas, if you are not implementing on them, you're missing out. So my, you know, the thing is, nothing in this world is given to you because you can't handle it. You're given stuff to do because you can. The only work you have to figure it is how you're going to implement a certain ideas. Have I failed? Oh, yes, I have. But I think of failure as a learning curve. I guarantee you that if you haven't failed, you haven't tried enough. And if you fail and you haven't learned, then you're missing out on the possibilities. That's right. Yes. Failure truly matters because from our failures, we learn lessons. Thank you. Now tell us more about your begin to lay the foundation of finding your niches principles. So um, when I started, when I started thinking I wanted to help people, I have a story. I can write volumes of stories, right? In my, in my, because I've gone through life, right? Everybody goes through life, but I have a story to tell like everybody else. But here's the other thing is that when you say I want to help people, that's a very broad statement. And how do you help people is just different. So one thing that I started doing was networking. Uh, just meeting people, asking them questions. The thing is, if you are tuned in to that frequency, you will understand that people have problems. And you automatically where, you know, everybody is a born problem solver. I don't know if you know this, but you are a problem solver. I'm a problem solver. Because if your child comes and tells you, I have... I can't do my homework, then you begin to solve that problem. Or if your uh, sister calls you and say, I want my dinner, then you solve her problem, right? So anytime a person comes with a problem, you become a problem solver. It's like we, we laugh at the old grannies, but we are becoming one of them <laughs> because we are one of them because we have learned how to solve our problem. Like my daughter-in-law will come and ask me about this, that, and the other, and I will have a solution for her. Even if it is a wrong solution, I will have a solution for her. So we as people are problem solvers. However, you have to tune in to the right problem. You can't be solving everybody's problem. If somebody has a flat tire, you can solve the problem by saying, hey, I can help you call discount tire or AAA. But that's the gist of it. I am not going to get you a tire to fix, right? That's not my job. It's discount tire. So my thinking is, since you are a problem solver and you know how to solve and that's your niche, then you need to be tuned in to your the frequency where you can actually help a person to do what you are supposed what you are meant to do does that make sense yes ma'am hello That's does right. that make sense yes, yeah okay. sorry it's i was manure are you there with so us? so the the i am i am can you hear me yes ma'am oh 
Okay, <laughs> I'm here. Manera, can you tell us more about your book, The Philosophy of Niche Principles? Oh, I'd love to. So I wrote this book because I wanted to um, figure out what I, you know, figure out how to help people. Because in this day and age, especially during COVID, I realized that people were losing their jobs. They didn't know what they were wanting to do. And for some people, it became, it was a opportunity, right? And they didn't know what they were doing. So people were calling me to ask me, hey, how do I do this? Well, I said, read, go read my book. And I wrote the book because I wanted them to learn the five principles. And one of them, like I said, is networking. And so I, I, I you know, it just started with uh, sitting in doctor's office. I had started this book three years ago and written a chapter here and a verse here and a paragraph here. But I compiled it early this year, and then we went to publishing in May. Wonderful. Now tell us more about your book, She is the Ish, Journeys of Womanhood. This was a chapter book. I was asked to join, uh, you know, awesome women who were, you know, writing about their transformational journeys. But it turned out to be that all these women had gone through some kind of trauma and they were sharing their stories in that book. It's a very powerful book because it doesn't only show the strength of each woman that wrote it, it also shares how what the problem was and how they overcame it. So it's a very good reflection for women who really want to figure if they are in that situation, then how to get out of it. I love it. Now tell us more about your book, Calling All Earth Angels and Healers. <laughs> oh, Calling Earth Angels. This was a book that my friend, uh, Dr. Gigi McGee, she is a psychologist out in uh, San, San Seattle area. She wrote this book and she asked me to join. She said she needed my perspective. Now, I, I, I don't look at myself as a healer, but she goes, you have to look at yourself as a healer because I solve people's uh, um, frustrations and anxiety. Most people in this day and age during COVID don't understand how they're gonna take the next step. And they are anxious, they are worried, people are losing their jobs. You know, it's so amazing that this country, this little virus has just transformed the whole world, right? So in order to keep everybody out there, this was a joint, um, this was a joint um, venture also with several other ladies where we talk about our journeys and how we solve other people's problems. Very powerful. Now, can you tell us more about your book, Conversations with Top Real Estate Investors, Volume 3? That was my first um, chapter book that I wrote. And I had just gotten myself, my feet wet um, with real estate. And we were learning, this is a program where we learn about real estate investing. And, you know, they were talking about um, 
uh, the, 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 you know, the person selling the house carrying the note. And I know there's a term for it, but of course I can't get it right now. And so what happened was I was talking in class that I had done that. So the gentleman who was writing said, I want this on my book. And this was a true story that I was in California. My husband didn't like paying rent. He was always against our money going towards somebody else's mortgage. And we didn't have enough credit because the one thing that when we came to America, we didn't know that we were supposed to have a good credit. So at least open up a target card and use it. We didn't know that. So our credit after three years was only $27,000. So I found out, I went, we were looking for a house to rent and I found the realtor took us to this new place where they were building and I fell in love with the model home. And I sat there, I stood there and I said, this house is mine. And they said, the, the builder was there, but he didn't say anything. He just looked at me funny. I see him looking at me, but I didn't think he was the builder. And then after six months of calling them again and again, I kind of convinced him that he needed to hold the note for me while I built my credit up. And I asked him for five years of time and I paid him off in three years. So that is a story there in that book. That is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, can you tell us more about your company or website, The Niche Navigator? So I want to help and I'm announcing it today that I have made up my mind that I'm going to help 5,000 people find their niche. And I know that there are business printers out there who have started a business, but are not sure of how to niche down, right? And, and in this day and age, we have so many other companies that are recruiting us to be in their company so that they can, the, the higher ups can make money. And you know what marketing that I'm talking about. And I'm not saying all marketing is bad, but there are some companies that people jump into and myself, I am one of them. I've jumped into businesses where I know that the idea of being in business is like falling in love. It's, you know, that, that ideology, but we never do our due diligent homework to see why this company is good for me. We make that rash decision right away. So my, my, my job right now, my task at hand is to find those people who are in business, frustrated, anxious, and I can help them solve this problem for them to figure out why they started this business and what they can do to salvage it or get out of it. Very powerful. I love it. Now, can you tell us more about some of the projects you're currently working on? Ooh. <laughs> I am writing my second book. Uh, that's a slow in process because then I started working on creating a course that accompanies my book. Uh, I'm also working on a show, a uh, joint venture with another friend that's going to air pretty soon. So I'm working on that. It's just a fun show where two ladies get together and talk about stuff, right? It's like having coffee. Um, so, um, and then right now I'm also awaiting my 
grandchild. So I have been commissioned by, by my daughter to be there for her and the new baby. So that's all in the process. It could happen any day now. So we are working on that. Well, congratulations on becoming a grandmother. <laughs> oh, no, I am a grandmother. This is just an addition. <laughs> so. I love it. Awesome. Now, can you tell us more about some of the challenges you've experienced in your life? Oh, wow. Where can I start? <laughs> so um, I was 12 and my mom passed away. Mm. My father married uh, another woman at eight, in eight months and her agenda was to get rid of all of us. I have two brothers. I'm the middle child. And that was her agenda. So she brainwashed my younger brother, uh, got me married off at 15. And uh, my older brother was uh, sent off to UK to be in the UK military. So, because, you know, it just happened that way. So, um, and then and then life happens, right? <laughs> I had I had the in-laws that I call the outlaws, which is a good word for all of them. And then I um oh I built businesses up. My life, all of my life, it, not, it has never been a smooth sailing. The recent tragedy has been my husband passing. I was his caretaker for three years and he passed in January. So my life, you know, it hasn't been a smooth sailing. There's always a impact. So I feel like that um, sandbag where the boxes beat <laughs> up because I get beaten up a lot. But, you know, each tragedy has taught me something and made me stronger. That's right. Now, can you explain to the audience how important it is to maintain a positive mindset? And if you ever do have a negative mindset, the importance of shifting your mindset from a negative mindset to a positive mindset? You know, let me tell you a story. When uh, my husband passed away, a lady called me and she said, a friend of mine, she called me, she says, for two years, I was just in a fog. I'm like, how could that be? You know? And grief is something that you hold on to because you don't, you are, as people, we are selfish, right? And if things don't go our way, and, and grief doesn't come only when people have passed or our loved ones have passed, or grief comes if you your project doesn't go according to plan. The thing to remember, like I said earlier, is to fail forward, to find a positive in whatever you were doing, stand up and get up and do it again. Chapter four of Auto-Suggestion in Rich, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill talks about, you know, even if it does, things don't, I'm, I can't quote him verbatim, but even if things don't go right, try it again, but use a different formula. Because, you know, let me give you an example. Two things. One thing is a child. When you see a child trying to walk, if that child never walks, we're going to think of him as a dud, right? But every child out there tries to walk. 
no matter how many times they fall and they stand up, they fall, they stand up. Well, if that is something that every human being has been born with, regardless of race, culture, tribe, area, or, you know, whichever area in the world they are in, if you are, if that child from any country, any place is trying to walk and that is a human genetic response, then why are we giving up as we grow older? And the second thing I'm going to say to you is that my, um, I, I joined a grief group. Somebody, you know, asked me to join a grief group on Facebook and I got more depressed because these women not only were stuck in time, they weren't ready to move forward. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the whole time had frozen for them. And I, I couldn't believe that people were stuck that way. So I do feel grief. I do feel tired. I do feel sometimes I just want to give up. But I look at look back to see the road that I've traveled and I say, I've come a long way. I still got a ways to go because I'm not ready to be stagnant. So people who are ready to give up, think about what you've overcome. The first thing you overcame is the fact that you had to stand up. And if ever you feel that you want to give up, I suggest and I challenge you to stand in front, stand, stand under a cold shower, not a hot shower, a cold shower. Now, you know, I live in Chicagoland, so <laughs> Chicagoland water is cold, but I do this every single day. It not only invigorates me and energizes me, but it brings me to life again because it shocks my system. And that's what we need to do sometimes. If we do the same with a dead car battery, why can't we do that with our system? So I challenge all of you to take a cold shower. If you're listening to this, and then send me a message, say I did it. Because that's the thing that works. See, anytime you, anytime you want to do something, anytime, we think about it and we simmer in that sauce, if you will. I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, go ahead and do it. Right? And we don't do it. And then we say, oh, I'm depressed because it's not going to work. Well, you've talked yourself out of it already. So how are you, you know, how do you know it's not going to work? Like somebody told me years ago, my, my good friend, Mary Beth Johnson, she says, and I said, what if it doesn't work? And she says, what if it does? Those three words, what if it does, forwards. Those words changed my life because I looked at this older woman. She's, she's an older woman. And I look at her in a motherly capacity and she was not ready to give up. And I was like, then why am I? Those four words kicked my butt. <laughs> wow. And how did you shift your mindset to continue to move forward? I do five things every single day. These are not things that I have um, 
come up with. These are things that my guru has taught me. So I will teach everybody the same thing. The first thing you do is you read for half an hour every single day. It doesn't matter if you're listening to something or you're reading something, but you are learning something that energizes your brain. The second one you do is you exercise. I know it's hard and I know gyms are closed or maybe opening or they have so many things, but there are so many YouTube videos that you can jump, dance, hop around, whatever you got to do, just do it. And even if it means meditation, that's a part of exercise because you quiet your mind, right? The number three thing is find somebody that is a role model for you. Just talk to three people every single day. It can be a friend or just a stranger and say, how can I be of service to you? There are people out there in a bad shape, out there worse than you. And if you don't believe me, watch Jerry Springer. <laughs> I watch that sometimes just to get a rebound because the thing is, People have more problems than you have. And I guarantee you, you will find them. Then the number four thing is find people who have gone before you in whatever you want to do. Find people who have gone before you and learn from them and connect with them. Find why they, why they resonate with you. And if you can, find a person in their organization or themselves to talk to and say, I want to follow you. I want to learn from you because you never know who you know and who they know that can change their life, your life. And the number fifth thing is give more than you can give. If you give people value, if you give people advice, valuable advice people if you have a dollar give a 10 a 10 cent to somebody else because if you give more than you can afford it will come back to you tenfold and i am one person i've started this the past seven months and it has changed my life i promise you that amen that is very powerful Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, how important is positive self-talk? Oh, more. that is so important. Because here's the thing. The law of the mirror in the 15 valuable laws is teaches us to come across the way we want others to come across to us. And that's a Bible, Bible verse as well. But here's the thing. I ask people, if you were to stand in front of the mirror, and not pretend it's the mirror and think of yourself, your alter ego as another person, would you want to be a friend of that person? Right? Would you be your own friend? That's the one question you have to ask. And if you are negative, nobody wants to be around you. Try it. Everything you do, negativity, nobody wants to be around you. Give one person a positive comment and you'll see people will flock to you like honey. So that's what you need. So positiveness is a power and it starts with your I am statement. 
Use a post-it note, put it on your mirror and say, I am powerful, I'm transformational, I am. All those I am statements, not negativity. You cannot say I am broke. Don't say that. I am rich because there's somebody out there that has less than you. My, fa my father always told me, I never understood this principle fully until I became an adult, but he taught me one principle and he said, always live by what Mahatma Gandhi had said. I, ha I cried because I, has I had no shoes. Then I met a man with no legs. So always, if you live by that principle, that positiveness will always flow. I love that. That's a very powerful principle. Now, Manera, can you explain to us when you experience an aha moment on your life journey? <laughs> I have had quite a few. <laughs> but I'll tell you, when I was working in, um, when I first took a job in corporate America, I was asked to, you know, uh, we were taking signatures, uh, authorizations for patients. And our group, we had a large room where we were housed in because we were contract employees. And I sat there looking at this mountains, mountains of paper. I did not know how to figure this out. So one weekend I went to my, I went to the hospital there with my kids and then asked them to put piles of, you know, because everybody, all patients have a number. So I was putting all these in numbers, like, you know, don't ask me, this is like 12, 15 years ago, but I asked them to pile them in numbers and it took us a whole weekend to do that. And what I realized then is we needed a system to put this in a way where we could access these very, very quickly. And as I was talking to my kids, it hit me that if we had a shared drive, this was like before the Google concept of shared drives came around. If we had a drive where we could scan all of these in, all we needed to do was to find if a patient had an authorization or not, right? And so the shared drive concept came into play and it took me six months for the county to approve it for us to get it and then to implement and scan all of this paperwork. By that time we had double amount of the paper, but it took us almost a year to get cleaned up. But we had all of these scanned in a place where the hospital staff and the people of my team could go figure it out. So that was an aha moment, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> oh, you have more, you wanna share another one with us? <laughs> <laughs> so the funny one is um, I was working in the hospital. I worked, I come from pharma backgrounds. So I worked in lots of hospitals. And this was like very, 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 very new to United States, like four years old, learning stuff, right? And four years, not my age, four years into United States and learning new things in the hospital pharmacy. I wanted to learn how to make the total parental nutrition, which is the TPN, the bags they give to patients who cannot eat. And these are things that are made by a pharmacist and a pharmacy technician. Now, 
they didn't tell me to look at the label. And this label, <laughs> you know, there's a bag, there's a place where on this label it says how many mLs of a bag you should take. Well, I took this gentleman needed or this patient needed a three liter bag. And I took a two liter bag and put all of the three liter bag material, all of the liquids and fluids in a two liter bag. Now, the bag did not burst. However, this bag became enlarged very big. And people, you know, so that was the one thing that I had to learn was to read labels. So that was my aha moment that when people are scrutinizing a receipt or a label, they're looking for valuable information, right? <laughs> Even now when we look at a receipt, we need to look at the date, the time, the transaction number, who it was that was punching us out, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to look, but that, that one, one mistake did cost me a lot of laughs in the pharmacy but I guarantee you, I never made that mistake again. That's right. So those are, I have many. I can tell, I can write a whole book about my aha moments. I love it. Now, can you tell us more about what gives you joy in your life? What keeps me going? What gives you joy in your life? My grandkids. They are awesome. I have... Um, 10 grandkids expecting the 11th one. The oldest one just turned 10. The youngest one right now is four months, five months. I haven't seen him yet. He was born in Canada during COVID, so I can't travel. But he's the cutest little bunny ever. And we have our good moments in the morning because he wakes me up. But, you know, each one is at a different stage in their life. And each one is the joy. It, it, you know, I used to say my heart is divided into four because I have four kids. I don't say that anymore. And now my heart has been divided into more parts and each part is for my grandchild. That is absolutely amazing. Now, Manero, what is your best advice for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? So many, but I'm going to tell you, live in the moment, you know, don't, don't, don't let worry eat you, anxiety eat you, live in the moment because nothing has been promised to us. We don't know what's going to happen half an hour from now. Tomorrow is not promised, today is. So live your life to the fullest because I've lost too many people who kept saying, when I retire, da, 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 when I, no, you want to do something, do it now. Like me, when I want ice cream, I take my grandkids and I go for ice cream. I don't wait for the parents to give me permission. I do it because that's my niche. That's my niche. That's one of my niches. Actually, it's a pet peeve, but I call it a niche. <laughs> That's right. But, I love it. Do what you want. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, you have to live in the moment. So take what is promised to you today because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. My, hus my husband, who passed away recently, said, 
you know, when I finish working or when I finish paying the bills, he never did. He never finished paying the bills because that's a part of life. Everything is a part of life. So live your life to the fullest. Laugh like you've never laughed before or till your stomach hurts or when your tears come out because, you know, that's the only thing. And just, you know, if you have nothing to say, don't say anything. So many pieces of advice. <laughs> Sorry, you yes. asked for one. And they're all beautiful. No, thank you for sharing that. And my condolences to you and your family in regards to your husband. So thank you. You're welcome. Now, Manira, where can the audience find you? Oh, they can go to thenichenavigator.com and find me there. There you go, thenichenavigator.com. And, uh, you know, there's only one Manira Zahabi in the world. So they can find me on LinkedIn or on Facebook or Google it and I come up. <laughs> I love it. Manira, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you. May I give your, your audience a gift? Yes, go right ahead. So for those people watching, I wrote a book called One Niche, Two Niches, inspired by Dr. Seuss, yes. Um, but it's a book that's on my on my website. All you have to do is go in there and go to the second tab, which says ebook. Go there and download it, and you'll have my very latest. I'm, that was my first writing of my own, and I'm very proud of it. So, and then I want to hear what you have to say. So let me know. Make sure to grab your freebies. And ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Manira at thenichenavigator.com. And Manira, again, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You are welcome. And I challenge everybody, go take a cold shower. <laughs> thank you, Manira. Have a blessed day. Thank you. You're welcome.